Awesome. Awesome. I hope you're excited to be in church this morning. And we, um, we are in the middle of a series. We're doing Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians 4. If you want to grab your Bible, your phone, tablet, whatever, and uh, jump into Ephesians 4, we'll be reading through some of that. Real quick, a few announcements before we do. And that is, I want to remind parents right now, if you want to grab an extra tablet, phone, or whatever, go to YouTube or Right Now Media. Children's Church is there and ready and waiting for your kids so they can watch while you're watching uh, the teaching now. So jump on and do that. Don't, uh, don't want you to forget Thrive. Uh, Eden's been doing an amazing job. We've been doing Thrive uh, Youth Group by Zoom. And uh, we've had the most fun games for the last uh, few weeks that she's done. So join us, 6.30. Don't forget to sign on and, and uh, be a part. Let your teenager know. Um, again, if, uh, if you see across the top here, there's Connect With Us, which is a digital connect card. We also have another way that you can connect with us. If you're new uh, or this is your first time, you can simply text HELLO to the number on your screen. It's going to ask you for a little bit of information, but it's a way for us to connect with you. So would you just do that? Just text hello to the number on the screen and that'll allow us to connect with you, follow up with you a little bit and, uh, and hopefully get to know you. And then of course there's live prayer at the bottom. If you want to pray with someone, uh, use this platform to interact with someone. If you're on YouTube or Facebook, all that information is down in the description. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter four. We've been walking through this book and I actually learned this week, uh, this is kind of crazy. I forget the pastor's name, I forget his name, but there was actually a pastor who taught in Ephesians for 30 years. It's the only book he taught in his church for 30 years. I mean, like, so imagine that reality of like, from the time he started chapter one to the time he got to chapter six, like he had great grandkids or something. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's um, in, in nuts. But the reason that's so significant, the reason I bring it up and I tell us today is because I just want you to realize how rich Ephesians is. Like I really think you could read Ephesians every day for 30 years and every day have an aha moment. Because there's that kind of depth, that kind of um, richness in it. But quick review, chapter one, you remember we said the words chosen, adopted, redeemed, that he chose us, he adopted us, he redeemed us. And then in chapter two, it began to talk about our sinful nature, um, how we bring nothing to the party, I said, we're deprived and there's nothing. And then those two amazing words, but God, right? But the reality of his grace, his amazing grace and what he has for us. And then last week we talked about prayers and we talked about praying so that prayers. Hopefully you've done that this week. I've actually had a ton of people um, that have said to me this week, man, I've been doing the so that prayer and it's completely changed the way I'm praying and the way I'm talking to God. So hope you're still practicing that. Chapter four is the switch. So there's two sections to Ephesians. One, two, and three are actually like the theology Right where we talk about grace and our depravity and sin and all these scenarios. But in 4, 5, and 6, what we're going to do is we're going to take that stuff, and now we're going to get practical. And the main thing that he's going to talk about is the main focus at Church of the Lakes and has been since day one, relationships. Right? It's going to, it's going to all be about relationships and how we do that kind of in a healthy way. So I want to jump in to Ephesians 4, verse 1, and I'm only going to read one word. The very first word is, therefore, therefore. And here's what I would say to you. Anytime there's a therefore in the Bible, you should ask, what is it there for? Right? Like there's a purpose, there's a reason, there's a therefore. And what it does is it connects some concepts that was previous to it to now a concept. And so this literally, this one word is the hinge of Ephesians. 
Right? Because we've had this whole kind of conceptual idea who we are, who God is, his amazing grace. Now he's going to go therefore and he's going to talk about our practical life. He's going to talk about different areas. We're going to talk about marriage and kids and all kinds of different things that we're going to talk about during that. And so he sets the stage. I mean, when you think about chosen, adopted, redeemed by grace, even though we don't deserve it, we are completely dependent on the grace of God, completely out of his mercy. He owes us nothing, right? We deserve the results of sin, but God, again, in chapter two, and here it says, therefore, and I want to say, you could say that in several different ways, therefore, or in light of, or because of everything we just talked about, right? Or keep this in the forefront of your mind because of what we're going to talk about here. Or now let's respond to this reality. You know, he lays this out. It goes on. Therefore, I, a prisoner for the, uh, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Man, I, I was thinking through just that particular scripture, just that particular moment and thinking, living a life worthy of your calling. So many of us, because of the way we grew up, maybe it's the denomination we grew up in. We're, we're more trying to please an angry God than we are walking out in freedom and the truth of, you know, like, is God happy with me? Did I, have I done enough? Did I, did I you know, have I, am I good enough? And, and, and we go through that and it's this try to please an angry God. And that is religion, right? That, that's religion within itself. When the reality is what Paul's trying to say to us is because of all this, Here's how I want you to respond with your life. And that really is the posture we should have, the relationship we should have towards God. It's not that, that we are trying to please or get him on our side. There's nothing we can do. Like, like we've got to get that through our head. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more. Nothing we can do to make us, you know, to have him love us less. Um, but what we do is we respond. Our problem is, is that most of the time we don't actually think through those first three chapters. We forget, right? You've been, you've been in church long enough and you just kind of, yeah, I've sang Amazing Grace a hundred thousand times. And so Amazing Grace loses its punch, loses its, right? The, 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 and so we, we forget. And every once in a while, it's good for us to go back and remember who I was and that I brought nothing and yet God and that now, Everything I do is not because I'm trying to please an angry God, but because I'm responding to a loving father. Because I'm, I'm responding to, and, and what amazing thing, it goes on after this and it says, for you have been called by God. I mean, what? I've been called a sinner with nothing to offer. I mean, called by God. God created each of us with a part in his story that's written just for us. Like that's, that's insanity. And although we are all in the same, we're not really in the same boat, our lives are different, we are in the same storm. Like we are in the same sinful world, right, dealing with some of the same sinful things and and the things that are all going on around us. The church is a hospital. The church is not a place of great holy people, it's a hospital. And we're all patients. I'm as much a patient as anyone else, right? We've said it over and over. I just maybe have been on the antibiotics just a little bit longer than someone else. Right. I can just encourage you. Hey, hang on because it's going to get better because I've seen it happen in my life. Right. And, and, and this just this idea that even though we're walking wounded, um, that God wants to have relationship with us 
in such a way that he wants to include us in his story. And therefore, when you, when you look at that, and now you use that word and say, therefore, therefore, because of this, in light of all that, I will forgive. Therefore, in, in light of that, I'll be gentle. Therefore, in light of that, I'll be humble. Right? And, and we don't often live that way because we're more like, oh, I'm supposed to be humble. I guess I'm supposed to try to be. How, how, do, you, how do you make yourself be more humble? You don't. I mean, we go through the motions and we do these false things to try to create that. But the reality is the only way to find humility is to realize the stance that I have with God, to realize that I bring nothing to the party. And while I go, man, God, what do you want of me? Right. That's a whole different verse two. always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Well, that's a good one. Right. For me, when I'm driving in the car, be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults because of. Your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Hold on to that. We're going to come back. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. In that phrase, make every effort in the Greek, you know what it means? It means make every effort. That's what it means. Make every effort. What does that mean? In, in any of you have any conflict? Have any relationships that there are struggles with? And, and guess what the word says to us? Make Every effort to live at peace. Make every effort to maintain unity. That make every effort, it's a commitment. Right? This is a commitment. And boy, we do not like the word commitment. Right? We do not like the word commitment. And, and it's unless, unless we know the other person is going to do their part. Like we all have this money back guarantee mentality. Come on, we're Americans and I have rights. Right? And I, and, and you know, that, that whole, I want, I want the money back. What, what, what is my out on this lease? Will you sign the prenuptial agreement? Right? But listen to me, in relationships, God calls us to be all in. Irregardless of all that scenario. Those are, those are worldly concepts of trying to save my own behind and being concerned about myself. When what God says is, we're all in, right? We're, we're all in. Even when things get crazy, because guess what? They're going to get crazy, right? Like in your marriage, in your relationships. It is greater that, um, it's greater than just your commitment to the other person. Okay. So like, you know, Amber's sitting here. I've known Amber for a number of years since she was in high school. And, and, and what God is saying here is for us to make every effort in relationship to keep peace. But it's not just about Amber. It said here, be united in the spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit. See, there's a commitment to the Holy Spirit to maintain unity, right? The unity of the Spirit. So when you are in conflict and you're having troubles, I want you to realize there's three in that conflict, right? I stood at an altar and said, yes, I will take care of this woman for better or for worse, right? Till death do us part or I kill her for no, but, but that's our our thought process. I mean, like, when do we come to the place of this, this commitment when it says unity in the spirit? Um, we've got to commit to the Holy Spirit that we're not going to give up on seeking him to maintain the unity of relationships. I mean, when we give up on a relationship, we got to stop and realize we're giving up on the Holy Spirit's power to work in that moment. And we're leaving him out of the equation, right? It's not just about someone else. It's about the Holy Spirit. It is so prevalent today. For us to be divisive. Yes. For us to take sides. 
God's word says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. But today we're so divided politically, racially, theologically, right? People arguing and fussing about everything and bringing division when the word tells us to keep unity. I want you to think that through because God says, I want my family to be a place of grace. I want my family to be a place of unity, right? I, I want there to be kindness on display, unity. Well, I just, I just want to speak my mind. It's amazing today how much keyboard courage people have. Come on now, right? Some of the things that, that we say, and, 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 and if I step on your toes on this one a little bit, that's okay. It's the Holy Spirit, not me. But, um, you know, some of the stuff that we post, so we, we will get really aggressive, you know, and, and, and let's, I mean, let me just go ahead and talk about one of the, the, the elephants that we don't like to talk about. So let's get a little politics going here. Right. So if I'm a Republican, I look at the other side of the aisle and I'm like little snowflakes just want to give everything away. And, and we start name calling and doing all this. And then when you're a Democrat looking over at the other side of the aisle, you're going, those people are so mean and nasty. Right. And, and, and it, there's this division in this reality of, listen, we can learn to disagree, but be agreeable. What God's word says to us is be kind. Right. Ma- maintain unity, maintain a sense of grace. Therefore, because of the grace that God has given you, because of how gentle he has been with you, because he didn't give you what you deserve. Therefore, turn around and show that whole scenario. Yeah, well, I just you know want to speak my mind. Can I say this to you? It's not a scripture in the Bible that says, sir, speak your mind. Not one. Not one. But there's tons of them that talk about maintaining unity. There's tons of them that talk about kindness and love and gentleness, right? Now, listen to me. Unity is not uniformity, right? We don't have to all believe the same. We don't have to all be in the same scenario. I mean, gosh, in this room right now, I'm sure we could find some things that we conflict on. You know, in our thoughts and our beliefs and what we like and what we don't like. But we can disagree and we don't have to be angry. Because what unites us is greater than what divides us. Because as believers in Christ, right, it is the cross. It is the resurrection of our Savior that brings us together regardless of race and politics and all these other things. Verse 4. For there is one body and one spirit, right, back to unity. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, in all, and living through all. Now, I'm going to jump down a little bit and skip a few verses here. Because there's a theme, it's amazing to me. So Paul's going to set it up with all the theology. Then he's going to say, therefore, and he's going to talk about specific things. And mainly he's going to talk about relationships. And the first thing he talks about is our words. The first thing he talks about is our mouth, right? Is our tongue. Well, he picks it up here down in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, the before the therefore, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, here's another therefore, right? Now, because of that, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. That doesn't mean you just can say whatever you want, right? We say all the time, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless, right? It requires both. 
but speak truthfully to, for we are all members of one body. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. What's he talking about there? He's still talking about words. He's still talking about the things that come out of our mouth. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And then this verse comes in the middle of this, that when you look at it, you go, what? That seems like out of left field. Listen to this verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Doesn't that sound out of place? Isn't that sort of weird? But I want you to read it this way. Listen to me. What it says, basically, and I'm, I'm going to kind of like, you know, redneck it a little bit. Okay. It says this. How about you hush and get to work and do something productive? That's what, that's the whole idea, right? Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. What are you stealing? Stealing life from other people with your words, right? We're, we're speaking death in the way we do things. Don't steal, but work. Do something useful, the word says. Instead of these words, which really are useless, you know, how often do you see a thread on uh, social media where it gets to a certain point and one of the people goes, oh my gosh, you were right all along. (laughs) When does that happen? Never. Never. Never, right? So we've got to be smart enough to go, is this useful? Is this necessary? Like, it might be truth to you. You might think it's truth, right? Like, like we speak truth, and because it's truth, it's okay for me to say it. I don't think that's always the case, right? Because the point is not to win the argument. The point is not just to speak truth. The point is to win the person. The point is to maintain unity. The point is relationship, right? And so is what I have to say necessary? It might be true, but is it? helpful right it it, it might be true but am i saying it in a way that is kind right that i that i would say and um and i have to i'll have to share with you guys because i don't know if you guys saw but easter um i put out an advertisement for easter on facebook right and this guy from south florida and i should have pulled it up so i could have read it exactly to you but this guy i think he was down somewhere in south florida starts posting i mean they were blasphemous things I mean, these things that were just like mocking Jesus, like photo pictures of him in the garden, bowed down and, and saying, and I pray this to myself. You know, it was just these things that like brought question to whether God really exists. And he posted like four of them. Right. And I can remember sitting there and it was the day before Easter. And I'm thinking, man, we're trying to reach people. We're trying to love on people. And I got this punk, you know, posting this junk. And I'm, how do I... How do I respond? Because I want to respond, you know? And I was like, God, how do you want me to respond? And uh, I typed out something simple like, you know, thank you so much for sharing your opinion. And I hope that, um, I hope that we all find truth. Have a, and, and I said, and I looked him up online and he had kids. So I looked up and I saw pictures of his family on Facebook. And so I said, I hope you and your family have a fantastic uh, weekend. Right? Well, there's another kid did the same thing. There was two of them on that day. I had like two trolls, right, on the, on the whole, on the social media that day for Easter. And I did kind of the same exact thing to that guy. What I can tell you is the one guy, the one kid was just like, rah, 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 to the end. And I just kept saying, man, thank you for sharing. Love you, blah, blah, blah. And he finally just gave up, right? You, you just got to know there are people in your life, they're going to manipulate you until they realize it ain't going to work. And then they'll stop, right? And that happened. But the other guy, he wrote back to me and it said... You know, you're the first Christian that hasn't just responded that I'm going to hell. 
Thank you. I hope you have a great weekend too. And I thought that that's it. Like I, I, I didn't need to prove him wrong. Right? Like I could have spoken truth to him. I could have quoted scripture and archaeologists have found this about God. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like this whole thing that we go on, but man, what's helpful? What maintains relationship? And maybe that's a good measure for us to consider from now on in all of our communication. Whether it's verbally, whether it's on a keyboard or a phone, is this helpful? Like it's not, it's not just important that it's true. Like I want it to be true, but is it necessary? Is it, does it maintain unity in relationships, right? It goes on in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful, only what is what? Helpful, helpful for building others up according to their needs. Catch that. According to their needs. Not the point that you're trying to make, but what does this person need? You know, and I, and I realize now that that guy on the other side of that, that thread, you know what he needed? He just needed some kindness. He just needed a, a, a follower of Christ to actually say, okay, man, you know, we're okay. We don't agree. No, there's not uniformity. But you know what? I'm going to maintain unity. I'm going to maintain relationship with you. Because maybe one day I'll get to build a bridge heavy enough that we can go drive this, this message across, right, of, of who Jesus is. And maybe he comes to be a part of your life. Why? Because of a little bit of a kindness. Because just, just a moment of gentleness. God is all about relationships. But how often do our words or our opinions tear down relationships? Right? Proverbs 18 and 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Right? Proverbs 16 and 28. A perverse person, ouch, stirs up conflict. Right? And what does that, that means within my own heart, my heart's perverted. My heart is polluted because I stir conflict instead of stirring peace. Right? Proverbs 6 and 16. It starts off like this. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable. Now, that was not a mistake. That was not the writer going, oh, there's six horrible things. Oh, yeah, there's one more. No, that's not what that is. This is a way that in the Bible, writers use as a literary tactic. It's it's underscoring the last one, right? It's putting extra emphasis on this. There's six things, but there are seven that are detestable. What are the six? Haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness that pours out lies, and what's the seventh? What's the one that's accented? A person who stirs up conflict in the community. Right? And boy, I, I just got to tell you guys, I, I had some own conviction, my own conviction about this. But I, I couldn't help but think about especially social media. How keyboard courage, right? The things that we won't say to somebody's face, but man, we will. You know, um, even in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the range of politics. Like we don't need to, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to agree across the aisle or you want to be libertarian and figure out where you are in the middle or what, I mean, but you know what we are called to do is maintain relationship, right? And so that we would be a people that say, is it helpful? Like, is, is this necessary? Is, is this going to move the ball forward? 
for what God is trying to accomplish within people or in this situation or anything. Ephesians 4 and 30, um, picking up at the end of this, and this is the end of the chapter. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now it's talked all about your words. Now it says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So what's it talking about? words. It's talking about relationships, it's talking about unity of the spirit, right? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. And so I want to, I want to end with just giving you kind of three points today that's something practical that, you, you know, I like to give you guys something you can sink your teeth into. We can put it into application tomorrow, you know, at work or at home or whatever. And so I want to talk about that concept of commitment. Like, how committed are you to the concept of relationship? Because God is crazy committed to it. So much so that even though he had all the right in the world to turn his back on all of us and say, all y'all going to hell, I'm out. Right? He did it. Because that's how important relationship. That he would send his only begotten son. Right? Why? To restore relationship. To give that opportunity. Right? Your life, catch this, your life will be determined by the commitments you make and the steps you take. The commitments you make and the steps you take. So let me give you three kind of steps to help you with the idea of commitment and commitment to relationship. Number one, you need to communicate your commitments. You need to communicate your commitments. You need to tell your spouse, sir, that you love her. Well, I told her I loved her seven years ago. I'll let her know if anything changes. No, that's not how that works, right? We, we need to communicate, right? And say, I love you and I'm committed to you and I wanted to kill you yesterday, but I'm still here. I mean, you know, I mean, the reality of that commitment, we need, we need to communicate with that to our kids. Man, I'm committed to you driving me insane, but I am committed to you, right? We, we need to do that within the church with the people that get on our nerves the most, right? Because what are we doing? We're trying to maintain the unity of the spirit. It's, it's the unity of the body. It's relationship. We've got to communicate our commitments. Number two, you've got to demonstrate your commitments. Because everybody knows at some point words are cheap. Come on. Right? At some point words are cheap and you've got to put some action to it. Alright? And so who do you need? Let me ask it to you this way. Who do you need to demonstrate your commitment to? Maybe today. You know? Some phone call. Maybe there's some of you that need to go fix a relationship. You need to finally write that apology letter. You need to finally be the mature one enough to picks up the phone and says, my bad. My fault. Please forgive me. Why? Well, there's this word I learned. It's called therefore. Right? Because of what he forgave of me. Because of what he's done. Therefore, I will forgive. Therefore, I will choose to be kind. Right? When I am unkind, and I'm really, anybody else really good at being unkind? I'm really good at being unkind. And losing my temper and being impatient with people, right? And all those things. And you know what it is when we're doing that? We've forgotten everything before the therefore. We've forgotten who our God is and what he's done for us and the grace. Come on, y'all. I mean, we could sit here tonight for the next several hours and tell stories of how we should have been in jail or we should have died or we should have, I mean, just crazy things that have happened in our lives. 
but God. Chapter 2 says, but God. First of all, chapter 4 says, therefore, right? Therefore, demonstrate. And the last is, celebrate your commitments. Celebrate your commitments. Man, I challenge you, and I challenge you at, at home. Who do you need to celebrate your commitment with? I mean, go have some fun. Everybody's going crazy. Dairy Queen just opened. Go get a, a McFlurry. Not a McFlurry. That's McDonald's. What do you call them things? Blizzards. Thank you. Go get a blizzard. Preferably... Reese's peanut butter cup blizzard. That's the best, right? But, but, but listen to me, celebrate, go do something where you can get out and celebrate your commitments by doing something, whether it be with your spouse or a friend. I mean, the challenge that God has, has put before us, we sometimes, I think it's, sometimes we look at it as too heavy. Okay. Well, I guess I got to try to be kind tomorrow. That is the wrong attitude. Why? There's no anything before the therefore in that thought process. You understand what I mean? Okay, well, I'm just supposed to do it. This is like some kind of self-help book thing. I'm just doing it on my own power. All right, I'm going to try and not cuss at him tomorrow. You know, I mean, and that's not the relationship. The relationship is to remember the therefore because of who my God is. Because of his great love for me. Because he adopted me and he chose me. And because he redeemed me and he's given me so much grace. Therefore, I'll give the same grace. So let me implore you as, as Paul was imploring them. Because of all these things, let's respond to God today, right? Let's respond to God when you go home today with your spouse. Say, say the words, not because you feel it or maybe even because they deserve it, but because you're committed, right? Because you're committed to the unity of the Holy Spirit, because you're committed. I'm going to maintain relationship and, and, and say, I'm sorry. Right? Be, be the bigger person in, in that whole scenario. And so let me pray for us today as, as we close, um, that you are able to really focus on what it is the Holy Spirit saying to you from the standpoint of relationship today. Cause I'm praying that there's maybe a relationship or two that he's brought to your mind today that you've thought, you know what? I need to bring some healing to it. I need to bring an apology to it. Uh, maybe I just need to bring the words of I'm committed. I'm with you, man. You got, I got your, I got your six period. End of story. Right. And that relationship that we have. But the only way you can live out that relationship is if you understand your relationship with Jesus. If, to, if on the inside, you understand the depth of what that means to have a relationship and the, and the grace from him so that you can turn around and give that to others. So let me pray that for you today. Father, thank you for your word today uh, that has challenged us. It's really challenged us to consider our relationships and the way we love Remind us of chapters one through three on a daily basis so that we can live out the therefore. So we can turn around and be kind and compassionate. God, would you guard our words this week, especially those that we type, that, that we would think, is it necessary? Is it helpful? Is it, is it moving things forward for the kingdom or, or, or allowing someone to understand what love and truth is? And so I... I thank you, Father, for this. We pray especially for our moms today that we might speak kind words, commitments to our moms today because of the commitment they've made to us. So we pray that special blessing over moms, over households today. And, uh, Father, we thank you for your word that continues uh, to bring us revelation and understanding. Let us now go and live out what you've given us to do and the challenge you've given us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'm caught up in your presence And I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings Jesus, you don't owe me anything More than anything that you can do I just want you And I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I opened up my heart to you. And I'm sorry.
your presence in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Surround us with your presence. And God, even though we're on this quarantine, 
God, you can still be in the midst of it. No quarantine will ever stop you. So why should we stop our worship? So God, we give you everything we have this morning. We give you our lives. We give you our hearts. God, we give you everything that we are. That it may be used for the glory and to make your name famous. So God, may you accept this worship. May it be pleasing to your ear. That God, you smile from looking down and seeing a worship heart. So God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.